Hello and welcome to Sparkle Tax Time Capsule, a weekly handful of the weird and wonderful happenings that have made San Francisco, San Francisco. It's Monday again, and today's episode excavates the week of October 27th through November 2nd, 2008. October 28, 1881. A murder in Chinatown. Newspapers, particularly the often very nasty San Francisco Chronicle, were full of anti-Chinese propaganda in the last decades before the turn of the century. Stories dealing with Chinese people were usually overheated, pretty racist, and sometimes hard to even get through. This item was short and straightforward, though, and I might have even skipped over it if I hadn't noticed an article about the very same case in a legal journal. The tiny bit of testimony from the victim in that piece helps capture the flavor of the parallel world of 1880s Chinatown. Chinese crime. Shooting of a courtesan in Kumkuk Alley. Between 7.30 and 8 o'clock last evening, while Choi Kum, a Chinese courtesan, was bargaining with a fruit dealer in her room on Kumkuk Alley, a Chinaman named Fong Ah Sing walked up to her door and fired a shot at her through the wicket in the portal. The intended murderer then fled, but was captured on Brenham Place by Sergeant T.W. Fields, who took him to the city prison, whither the wounded woman had been conveyed by Officer Maurice Sullivan. An examination by police surgeon Stambaugh showed that the ball had entered the right breast, piercing through the right lung and inflicting a wound which it seems must be fatal. Choi Gum identified Singh as the person who fired the shot, and stated that it was done on account of some trouble which had occurred last week. The prisoner, who was said by the arresting officer to be the head man of a notorious highbinder society, was charged with assault to murder. Some terminology. Highbinder society refers to one of the notorious Tongs, Chinatown's powerful, often criminal, and constantly battling secret societies. The word highbinder itself came to refer specifically to hired Tong killers, or hatchet men, and though the etymology is murky, may stem from the hitman fashion of tying the traditional Chinese braid, the Q, up out of the way, on top of their heads. The Chronicle would never have expended much energy on a story like this, but the 1886 legal journal Pacific Reporter notes that Fong Ah Seng was a member of a highbinder society, the Duck Kong Tong, but certainly not the headman. He was actually just their translator. There were plenty of witnesses at each of Fang Ah Seng's two trials ready to swear to both his innocence and guilt. Tong members? We can't know that. But we do know that the most damning evidence came from his dying victim, a woman who worked at a brothel at which Fang Ah Seng was apparently a customer. And this supplies the motive. I don't know any reason that Fang Ah Seng had for shooting me, unless it was that a few days before the shooting I was bathing my feet upstairs over a room in which he was sitting then spilled a little water on the floor, and it leaked through and fell upon him. Fang Ah Sing was very angry thereat, and told the proprietor of the house that I must apologize and make him some present to prevent bad luck coming upon the house. The proprietor did make some little present to him, and I considered the matter settled. In Chinatown, 1881, apparently not. October 27, 1892 Almost 30 years after the death of the Reverend Thomas Starr King, a beautiful granite monument was dedicated to the memory of the man who saved California for the Union. For decades afterwards, grateful San Franciscans visit the statue on Memorial Day and wreathe it with flowers. 
since I've already spent a good hour and a half telling Star King's Civil War era story in a pair of podcasts, numbers 59 and 60, I don't need to dwell on his years of tireless devotion to the pro-Union cause. I will opine, though, that those flowers were richly deserved and a tradition that ought to be resuscitated. The monument stands in Golden Gate Park at the entrance to the music concourse, you know, where the Academy of Science and the de Young Museum are located, and its base bears this inscription. In him, eloquence, strength, and virtue were devoted with fearless courage to truth, country, and his fellow men. October 31, 1963. On Halloween night, the Black Cat Cafe, that notorious, flamboyant, and most historically significant of San Francisco's gay night spots, held a final celebration before closing down for good. The years of prohibition shuttered the establishment in the 20s, but the Black Cat reopened proudly in 1933. Number 710 Montgomery Street quickly became a magnet for artists, writers, and beatniks. Steinbeck, Saroyan, and Ginsburg all patronized the joint. Then, in fact, the Black Cat played the role of the Bohemian Bar in Kerouac's novel On the Road. Following World War II, a new military policy precipitated the sudden discharge of thousands of gay men into the welcoming arms of our liberal city. The Black Cat became a central gathering place, evolving into a kind of bohemian drag bar, but much more than that. It was a place where poets, sailors, stevedores, and suits could shake off convention, creating a wild sense of revolutionary freedom for gay and straight folks alike. The San Francisco Police Department began a campaign of organized intimidation, raids, and arrests, and the state suspended the bar's liquor license. On principle, the straight owner took the case all the way to the California Supreme Court, which determined that serving drinks to homosexuals was not a crime, one of the earliest legal affirmations of the rights of gay people in the country. The state responded with a constitutional amendment creating the California Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control the ABC, giving it broad powers to shut down establishments that didn't toe a straight-laced line. Years of harassment followed, but the black cat flourished. The star of the drag show was a certain Jose Saria, who eventually, though failing in his bid for a spot on the board of supervisors, became the first gay man in the country to run for elective office. The bar had evolved again into a rallying point for a social and political movement. By 1963, the owner was too tired and too broke to keep up the fight. The ABC yanked the Black Cat's liquor license for good, and what's worse, on the night before its famous annual Halloween bash. The boisterous party was held anyway, with soda and juice sold at the bar. The Black Cat closed permanently the next day, but even a cursory glance around modern San Francisco will tell you that its legacy lives on. That's it for the week of October 27th through November the 2nd. Tune in next Monday for another time capsule dredged up from the kaleidoscopic depths of San Francisco history. Questions, comments, or tirades of historical nature? Visit the SparkleTech blog. I'd be delighted to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Till next time.